This is the Voices of Misery podcast. This show isn't for the easily frightened. So demons, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins, please stand by. You've been warned. Now, it's time for the devilishly duo of the nerd and nerdette with another podcast for that ass. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Voices of Misery podcast. I am the nerd, of course, and today is Tuesday. You know what that means? It's a solo podcast for that ass, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. And today I am not alone, though, because I have a very special guest. Before I get to that guest, I do want to talk about something that's very important to me. Now, you guys know I suffer from anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, all that bullshit wrapped up in one little crazy nut nutcase, headcase, cocktail, whatever the hell you want to call it. But yeah, man, I, uh, I, I, I found a solution to that. And my friends at CBDmedic.com reached out to me and they said, you know what, nerd, we're going to fix you. We're going to send you some product in the mail. And we're gonna and we're just gonna fix that crazy head of yours up, and you're gonna tell your friends about it, and that's what I'm doing right now. They fixed me, sort of. Um, they definitely eased my anxiety, my depression, my anger, rage, all that bullshit a little bit. And I am going to extend the same offer they gave to me to all of you. If you use our code VOM Podcast One Zero VOM Podcast One Zero on CBDmedic.com. You yourself can save 10% off any order. That's right, any order. Even if you spend a dollar, you save 10 cents. $10, you save a dollar. $100, you save $10. You know how it goes. You guys know mathematics, right? You save 10% off any order. And the things that they have on there are amazing and life-changing. You can have creams for any aches and pains you may have. There's gummies. There's um, vape. There's, there's, there's the drops, the oil drops with the, with the tinctures. You drop a couple drops under your tongue, let it sit for a minute, and there you, and there you go. You go into paradise, man. You can, you can sleep easier at night. Those aches and pains will go away. Your headaches will subside. It's just really good stuff, man. So, if you want your life changed, and if you want to feel better about everyday, you know, things that normally would take a couple extra steps to get up and get going, go to cbdmac.com, VOM Podcast One Zero is your code, and you're going to save some money and feel better in the process, ladies and gentlemen. Now, got the pleasantries out of the way. You guys are feeling good. You just took your CBD medic uh, goodies. I'm going to talk to Larkin Love. She is awesome. And I'm just going to give you a little disclaimer before I hit the play button on our interview. I was intoxicated. Yes, very intoxicated during this interview. It was one of those ones where I had to have liquid courage because Larkin Love is a um, very, very, very popular adult film star in my household. Um, well, well, the nerd that doesn't watch porn, but I do. And I'm a big fan of Larkin Loves. All of my friends are big fans of Larkin Loves. And I've been trying to get her on the show for a long time. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I had to get a little bit of liquid bubbly up inside of me so I can conduct this interview. Because I was very nervous. It was like the most nervous I've ever been doing an interview. So pardon me if I stutter, sound like an idiot, more than usual. But, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, she was very cool. And she schooled me on a lot of different topics, man. Like, it really opened up my uh, horizon, opened up my, my mind to different aspects of the adult entertainment industry that I never knew possible. And, um, yeah, she's a very smart lady. Very business savvy, and she's going to be around for a long time, luckily for all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give to you 
on the Voices of Misery podcast. Miss Larkin, love Larkin, how are you doing tonight? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm a little starstruck right now because I have been uh, an, an avid viewer of your content for a very long time. <laughs> that makes me happy to hear. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I actually uh, stumbled upon you um, when I was going down that rabbit hole because you know how, you know, uh, when you're going, you know, on the Internet and you're looking at, you know, certain scenes and people like that, you know, there's always like a suggested film. And I was going through a couple of videos and I saw you and I'm like, you know, let me click on this girl. She's beautiful. And, you know, uh, I, I, I saw you and I think it was with Sheridan Love. There was a scene that you did a while back and uh, I was absolutely smitten from then. And, you know, I've been watching it for quite a while. And uh, I found your Twitter page, and I saw that you have this thing going on right now called Larkoween. Uh, <laughs> can you explain a little bit about uh, Larkoween? Oh, well, every year I try to make October into a, a big fun thing for my fans. My birthday is actually October 31st, so Larkoween is the silly self-identifying name I give to a month long of specials and cam shows, new cosplay content, etc. that goes on throughout the month of October. Um, the, the things that are on sale are multitudinous. I've, I've got things uh, marked down on my OnlyFans, my Snapchat. We're doing a raffle mid-month. There's um, cam shows coming up. I'm releasing content in a bunch of new cosplays. Uh, let's see. Velma stuff just released. I just shot some Venom. Speaking of tongue fetish. Some <laughs> material. Uh, I'm going to be doing Elastigirl this year by popular request. Um, Wednesday Adams. Uh, Power Girl is making her triumphant re return to my cosplay stable. I finally had her costume remade. And a couple other surprises. But the best place to follow all of that is going to be my Twitter, which is at LarkinLoveXXX. Your Twitter page is absolutely amazing, by the way. So I do implore all of you guys to go out there and check it out because she posts a lot of good content out there. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, like short clips of, uh, you know, just like things that you're up to. Now, it's funny that you mentioned the Power Girl thing because that's something I kind of wanted to ask you about. Is uh, Power Girl something that was uh, like requested of you to to go out there and you know cosplay as, or is or are you actually a fan of like comic books and stuff like that? Bit of both. I hadn't given much thought to cosplaying her to be honest until she became a regular request from people, and since those initial times, um, I had a costume made. I think it was six years ago. Was my first Power Girl costume. It's been a while. And, um, yeah, I've become a bigger fan of her as time goes on and as I continually play and replay her. I'm so excited about this new version of the costume I had put together. When you cosplay the same character for a while, every iteration of the costume tends to get a little bit better. And I think I've really nailed it this time. I, I, I can't wait to see it. Now, I do have a suggestion for you, though, because there is one person, and I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, who would I like to see Larkin cosplay as? And you want to know who I came up with? Who? Peg Bundy. <laughs> Oddly enough. Really? I think you would make a really good Peg Bundy, you know? Like, you've got the body for it, obviously. You know, I think if you had a nice big red wig, I think you would make a really sexy Peg Bundy. I'll have to look into that one. 
<laughs> I didn't know she was quite the uh, the sex symbol or in demand for cosplay, but I mean, there could be a market for it. Maybe I'm just missing something. I don't know. I just kind of always had a thing for her. And s- speaking of people having a, a, a thing for certain characters, like you do Velma a lot and you look very good doing her as well. Um, what is it about Velma that just drives people to like that whole nerdy persona? Like, what is it, do you think, that like people really dig that th- that look? I think it's the contrast. You know, they pitched Daphne as the sex object in that particular group. But I think people are drawn to the way that bookish, nerdy-looking Velma, when they see her in sexual situations, especially doing kinky stuff or, you know, being overtly filthy, it's that contrast that attracts people, that drives them. A lot of people have a thing for glasses, too, which doesn't bother me because I do wear them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, like, you were known for your, your fetish content. And um, one thing I did want to ask you about is, you know, like we do live in a society right now where pretty much everybody's offended by everything. And um, I was just kind of browsing through a lot of your, your, your films and you do a lot of like mommy themed, you know, uh, things, you know, like sister and brother, mommy, son, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see like your, 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 um, your, your download suffering because of that? Or do you think it's um, you know, growing? You- kidding me oh my god so it's called taboo fetish would be the the industry term um, for faux cest but yeah it's it's usually called taboo fetish and taboo fetish is by far the most popular genre of any type of porn that i do and i do probably 60 70 different fetishes maybe more depending on how you want to you know, slice them up, but easily 70 categories of videos. Taboo fetish is 100% the most in-demand category across every single platform with which I've ever engaged. Taboo fetish is so popular that mainstream porn has picked up the trend and now uh, does a lot of stepmom or stepsister, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason they put, they put the step in there is because of um, issues that like their payment processors have with faux taboo or sorry, with faux cest or taboo content. But it's not because people are squicked out by the idea of blood relatives in this fictional scenario fucking like it is the most popular type of porn. On the planet definitely the most lucrative now why do you think that is do you think people have like a secret fantasy where they do want to bang their mother or sister or brother or do you just think that like no 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 i think the secret to its success is in the name taboo fetish people don't want to fuck their own family (laughs) want to see characters doing something unspeakably filthy and against the rules of society on camera. It doesn't get any more taboo than that. I mean, look how titillating just the uh, the details of Cersei and Jaime being lovers in Game of Thrones. That was a scintillating detail that people were alternately attracted to and repulsed by that really put a lot of energy into the story. You know, love it or hate it, it's a detail we all remember, right? So... yeah. It's, it's a, it, it, it says it in the name. It's a taboo and watching people transgress is a big part of what makes porn appealing. 
You got a good point there. And um, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about here a little bit was like porn in general. Like when I first started watching it a long time ago, it was basically like, you know, like the missionary position, man and woman, you know, like I wasn't really deep diving into it. And then it's like it kind of mutates. It's like you get a little bored out of, you know, of like what you're watching and then you go into the next part. And it's like a gateway is like, you know, the man woman thing. And then before you know it, you're watching fucking midgets banging black dudes and shit. You know, it, it, it just like keeps going and going and going. You just kind of go down that rabbit hole and you just find, you know, weirder and weirder shit doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're attracted to. But you just kind of, you know, go down that hole, I guess. And, you know, the fetish thing in general, um, I've, I've been watching a lot of cuckold stuff lately, which I think is kind of weird. Um, that's something that you're pretty uh, big into. Like, I've seen a lot of your stuff. Do you think um, like what do you think about cuckolding in general? Is that something that like you do in your personal life or like what do you think about people that get into that stuff? Well, first off, cuckolding makes absolutely perfect sense when you think about it, why it would excite someone. The idea of being cuckolded, it's, it's going to release a lot of neurochemicals. You're going to get adrenaline. You're going to get the feelings of jealousy and a sort of intense sense of competition with someone else. Then if you have a humiliation kink wrapped into all of that, which a lot of people do through one circumstance or another, it's a heady mix of elements going on at once. Plus, there's also the idea that my spouse slash significant other is so hot that they can get this other person quite easily. You know what I mean? So there's almost a weird backhanded status boost element for certain people. I mean... It makes perfect sense that something that complicated and that full of emotion and reaction would be sexually stimulating to someone. So cuckolding is not weird any more than skydiving is weird, you know? Yeah. Uh, the way you break it down, it really does make sense. I mean, shit. It's, I a scary, it's a scary, intense thing that plays on primal human emotions and reactions. So when it's done in a controlled way between consenting adults, it becomes just another playground for people to express their sexuality and experience different things. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. As long as everyone is informed and consenting, I think cuckolding should be more common. I think, I think it's great for people who enjoy it and who want it. I'm not condoning unethical non-monogamy but yeah there's nothing weird about it to me at all here's the thing fetishes only seem weird if you don't understand the root of all of them the root of all of them is to do something to change your internal chemistry in your brain and to put yourself in a challenging situation um, there's often an element of humiliation or desperation or inevitability or obliteration. It's confronting difficult human emotions and thoughts in an arena that you actually do have some control over and processing them through the erotic part of your mind and understanding. Every single fetish comes from that. And a lot of times, like, there's a component of fetishes too, where the introduction of something into your library of lifetime stimuli will coincide with a sexual arousal moment. So, you know, suddenly uh, someone who gets a, a quick flash of the, the recess ladies 
you know, um, control hose on the playground when the wind blows her skirt up gets a lifelong control pantyhose fetish because they popped a boner at that point in their life. I'm serious. This stuff exists. It's a real thing. I've had guys ask me to wear the dowdiest fucking lingerie on the planet, which is fine because I'm happy to cater to that. I understand that there's some reason why also that could be uh, a contrast. Put a pretty girl in matronly stuff. I mean, it, Fetishes aren't weird. They're just complicated. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this because like you, you just kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, what, what's the weirdest request you've ever gotten? Because like you, you, you do have, have a thing where guys can get custom videos. What's the weirdest thing that anyone's ever asked you to, to, to send them or do for them? I absolutely hate that question because to me, none of these things are weird. It's like saying, um, what actor is the best? Well, that depends on your criteria. What's yes, the most, yes, what's yes. the most delicious food? It, how long is a piece of string? You know, sure, it's very very subjective. Yes, and, and and I do apologize. We could go with you know what's what's a very specific fetish. What's a very eclectic fetish? Maybe has a, a small following, as far as I can tell, at least from the people on the internet. I mean, the thing about the internet, though, is that no matter how specific and how quote unquote weird your fetish is, there's a community for it. Okay, I'll put it this way. There's a community online for men who have a very specific fetish about a specific style of convex 13 millimeter or more uh, in width wedding ring that was popular in the early 70s. Are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you. What? That is their fetish. And there's enough of them that they have a form. It's incredible. So, now, yeah. That's, <laughs> wow. That's weird. Well, 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 let me ask you a question. Because, like, my thing is, you know, um, how I found you and how I got into you and your, and your stuff was I, I have a bit of a tongue fetish. Like, I, I like really long tongues. Uh, how long is yours? Have you ever measured it? Um, 7.3 centimeters from the opening of the mouth without stretching. Holy shit. God damn, that's incredible. Now, um, it's, 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 oh my God, that's long as fuck. That's like longer than my freaking middle finger. That's insane. It's really long, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> shit, so does a lot of people. Um, now, let me ask you this question here, because there's another fetish I did want to ask you about. Uh, I actually did a podcast about this a while back, and I have a question for you. Um, what are what exactly is jerk off instructions? And like, why would because like I just want to know what this is all about, because like I see a lot of videos of J.O.I. videos and like I, I just want to know what it is. OK, well, this is a specialty of mine, so I, I do have a lot to say on the subject. It is a form of interactive porn where it feels like you as a viewer and the performer are interacting directly. It's a form of dirty talk where if I'm, if I'm doing jerk off instruction, I'm speaking to the camera and I'm telling the viewer how I want them to stroke their cock, how I want them to masturbate. There may, there's so many directions you can take it. Sometimes it's, you know, a challenge for them to uh, 
come exactly when I say. Sometimes there's a femdom element. Sometimes there's an orgasm denial element. Sometimes it's fun and flirty and I'm telling them to come on my tits. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different attitudes. There's a whole range of storylines that can go with that and sort of moods and, you know, uh, directions you're coming from. But at the end of the day, it's, it's interactive porn. It's almost like phone sex without the live aspect. And there's a visual part because you're watching a video, but jerk off instruction can be done through audio clips as well. And I do it through my phone sessions. I do phone sex in case anyone didn't know that already. Now, now how do you come up with these ideas? Because the thing about porn is like, you know, you think like just sex, you know, like you can go to the store and buy a VHS tape or you can go online and download a video, but you got to constantly evolve it because it's like, there's so many different stars out there. There's so many different men and women and, and, and every scenario feels like it's been done. So how do you keep it fresh for your viewers? Well, for me, I don't try to reinvent the wheel unless I have some kind of a brilliant and bright idea that has a strange storyline that I'm dying to act out for my own reasons. I feel like the fresh element that I bring even to the most repeatedly used pornography tropes is myself. There's nothing wrong with being a hot chick in a similar scenario to something someone else has done. Here's the thing. I, I think I'm the fresh element. If you're talking about reaching for creative scenarios, inspirations literally everywhere around you in day-to-day -day life. Humans have an erotic imagination that can take anything and make it sexual. And I don't just mean in a dad joke kind of way. There's a sensuousness to life that a lot of people don't seem to notice, but it's there. Everything can become a sex act if you're trying hard enough. It doesn't even have to involve your genitals. <laughs> wait, you get, wait, you have to elaborate in that last part. What does that mean? I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, no, you have to elaborate in that last part. You said it doesn't have to necessarily involve your genitals. What does that mean? Have you ever engaged in any sensual play by yourself or with a partner that didn't involve genitals? For example, um, a lot of latex fetishists, they don't necessarily want or need to stimulate their genitals with the latex. They get off psychologically and emotionally off of seeing the latex, smelling it, touching it, lubing it up and shining it. Um, you know, putting it on a person, dressing and undressing and wearing it the, themselves, feeling the constriction on the body. That is the draw. No, I, no, never. But like, I, but like I, I actually did talk to someone who was a, a quote unquote furry. And what they would do was like dress up in these like costumes. I don't know if you ever watched football before, but they've got like, you know, the college I mascots on the side. I know exactly what furries are. <laughs> yeah, but what, like, specifically. yeah they like nuzzle up to each other and like they get off that way so i guess i mean like I, I i guess i understand you know like i had a really good conversation with them and we and we keep in contact we're you know we're we're actually friends but i just personally don't get it like i guess i'm just boring in that sense where like i just don't go outside of the normal realm of you know just straight up you know sex the way you know most people traditionally think it is but I do like watching it on film, though. You know, I don't know if that makes me strange or not. Like, maybe I should explore more. 
Maybe you should. I mean, there are many engrossing and enrapturing sensual experiences on this planet that are outside of the traditional concept of sex and eroticism. I think that's what's like beautiful as a human is that we're able to experience these things and reflect on them um, thanks to the way our brains work. What do you think it is that holds people back from exploring their own identities? Because a lot of people have these these urges and these needs and these wants, but they but they kind of pull back a little bit. Why do you think that is? Social disapproval, um, number one reason. Social disapproval of one form or another. They don't want to be seen as the perverted one or the dirty one. Or one thing I notice a lot with straight men is they will hold back from being sensual in any way because they don't want to quote unquote seem gay, which is really interesting to me as a symptom of toxic masculinity in the culture. Um, but for most part, it's like social disapproval, wondering what other people will think, um, having a concept of themselves that is incompatible. Like if you spent your whole life making fun of fursuiters, for example, not that you do, but if, if one may spent their time going, ha ha, stupid fursuiters, and then they suddenly realize, oh God, I'm aroused by that. They would suppress it because it's incompatible with their personal identity. Um, God, there's all kinds of reasons. I mean, mostly it's, it's fear of disapproval and rejection from other people. Yeah, you are 100% right on that because I actually work in a uh, retail environment and um, I actually had a customer come in my store and he was a white male and he was like, and he had like, you know, like the Trump sticker on his car and he had like a, and he had like a uh, KKK symbol on there as well. And then like he handed me his, his, uh, his tablet because, you know, we work in a uh, environment where we fix those things. I don't want to, you know, say where I work, obviously, but I had his device and I'm looking through it and you know what there was on there? A lot of interracial porn. So I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like this guy was like, he has this front, but he's got this secret life where, you know, he looks at this shit, but he tries to have this bravado, this whole thing that he puts on. Where he, you know, he hates this. So I was kind of like, you know, befuddled by this. I'm like, why the fuck won't you just embrace, you know, what's inside of you instead of, you know, projecting this image of something that you're not? You know what I mean? Yeah. The crazy thing is, too, is the more he suppresses it and, um, you know, delves into his, you know, KKK supporting uh, side of himself, the more appealing the interracial porn will become. And that can be said for just about any dichotomy. When it comes to people's preferences and identity, the more you suppress it, the stronger it becomes and the more you're going to have to push back in day to day life. Think about all the people who've been very public, very vocal homophobes who later come out to be hiring gay escorts, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it goes on like that. Yeah, it seems like the people that push the hardest against something are the ones that have the most skeletons in the closet and the ones that actually you know, embrace that lifestyle behind closed doors. Yeah, I think there's a difference between stating your own preferences and perhaps having a strong dislike of something and being a, a hard advocate to make other people's preferences um, unacceptable by society. I mean, there's certain things we should all agree on in terms of boundaries of consent and you know keeping people safe, but um, 
I wish I could remember who said it first. It might have been Dan Savage. I'll just I'll just accredit it to him. Don't yuck other people's yums. <laughs> it's an interesting sense. phrase. And basically the the number one rule of BDSM kink, you know, the the, the advanced sex world, if that makes sense. Now, you seem pretty open as far as like, you know, your sexuality and things like that. Is there anything that you do on film that you don't necessarily agree with or like in your own personal life? Because you do a lot of dominatrix stuff and like, is there anything you ever feel uncomfortable doing? Or are you just pretty open with everything? Oh, plenty of things. I mean, there's lots of porn conventional stuff that I absolutely detest in my personal life. I mean, I'll put it this way. Anytime I've ever been choked on a film, that's because the the performer I was with fucked up and forgot that was on my no list. I hate it. Um, but some people love it, and that's okay. They can love getting choked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that's one I never understood. Hey, here's another one. Girl on top. I fucking hate being on top like I, I i detest it it hurts my hips it makes me tired it's hard for me to come uh after a while my tits and my back hurt from bouncing around yeah that's something i do on film quite a bit but it's not something i would ever choose in my personal life unless my partner specifically was like look i would really love for you to do this then i could be convinced but it's not a preference i'll put it this way um Porn is like a choreographed martial arts demonstration. I like that. Sex is a bar fight. Okay, okay. No, I can. De- I could definitely, uh, you know, see where you're going with that. I like that. That's that. that that's really clever. Even the simplest sex acts, when you see them portrayed on camera for the benefit of the viewer, are going to be drastically altered in terms of execution, positioning, and everything else. Oh, here's a fun story for you. You'll enjoy this. So in my younger days, back when I was still at the right age group to still be taking virginities on a semi-regular basis at college... Um, this dude, this really enthusiastic, sweet guy and I hooked up and he was a novice, but I was okay with that. And he really wanted to eat my pussy. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Eat my pussy. That sounds fantastic. So I lay back and I got my legs comfortable. And what he did was he forcibly spread my legs almost in a split, which is fine because I'm flexible, but I was just kind of shocked by it. Then he jammed his face right, his ear and his cheek right up against the inner thigh on one side, like as as far as it would go, turned his face to a, a camera that wasn't there and sort of aimlessly lapped at my clit, sort of, and my labia with the tip of his tongue while, from the corner of his mouth. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, perfect because sense. Because he loved to watch lesbian porn. And so he was opening up to a camera that didn't exist. <laughs> and because he'd, he'd witnessed this technique, he was replicating it perfectly. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is what you see on camera is going to be, and I love having my pussy eaten, you know, but <laughs> 
it's never it's never the real McCoy. Yeah, you, you see, like you kind of like answered a question I was already going to ask, and uh, it was basically like, do you think like porn and people watching porn? Do you think that like ruins sex in general? Because like some people they try to act out what they see on film, and what you see on film is not necessarily how it's done in real life. You know, like my wife and I, like we've been together for fourteen years. We got like two go-to positions, and that's it. Like we haven't explored or done anything you know interesting or different in years. But in porn, like you see these scenes. Where like people are just, you know, just going at it and you're like, wow, I want to try that. And you try it. It just doesn't kind of work out how it works on film. Do you see that as like kind of like ruining sex for people in real life? I mean, okay. Are, are, are action films and car chases ruining driving on the highway? Maybe a little bit, but only if you're dumb enough to believe you can get away with that stuff. I mean... By all means, experiment, but there, there are, you got to understand what's done for the benefit of the viewer and what's done for the benefit of the other party. It takes a discerning eye and some experience. I mean, there's, there's, I'll put it this way. There are plenty of way better instructional videos and like written books and with good photos and everything else. If you want to learn actual sexual technique, you'll get way more out of those than you will out of your average porno. Um, there are some producers that create instructional material and uh, like Nina Hartley's done a bunch of it. Highly recommend it. Um, but you got to seek out stuff that puts itself forward as educational because otherwise you're watching something that was created for entertainment value. Yeah, because like I've tried a couple of things on my old lady that I've seen in, in films, and I almost goddamn near threw my goddamn back out a couple times, man. Like I'm just not built for this kind of stuff, you know. It's, it's like I, I I gotta stop. But, my my partner has been a male performer for 17 years, honey. Yep, 17 years, and you wouldn't believe the gym routine that that he keeps up in order to still continue to open up to the camera, keep his hips loose upper body strong, legs strong, like most of the positions you see in porn are because there's they're the people are put together that way because you can film what's happening. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Straight up missionary with body contact, you're not going to see shit. So everything has to be spread out, separated. The light needs to hit it and a camera has to go in there too. But okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, one thing I, I actually did want to ask you is because, like, you are in control of your own destiny now. You know, like, you uh, put out a lot of your own content, which is phenomenal because you are in control. You don't have to answer to anybody. I, I, I did want to ask you about people that do have to answer to, you know, like a director or they work for, a, like, a big company. When you're working for a company, um, do you get freedom during a sex scene? Like, can you just kind of do, like, just kind of just go out there and have sex, like, do what you want? Or do you have to, like, follow the orders and instructions of someone else? Like, hey, you know, you get on top. Now you do this. You get doggy. You do that. You know, like, how does that work? If you freehand it, it's probably not going to come out as good as if you – okay, here's how it's usually worked for me. I will talk with the director and the other performer performers before the scene starts, and we say, okay – we're going to start here on the couch. Here's the position. Then we're going to move to standing doggy. We'll do that for a bit. 
And then we're going to go to modified missionary. We're going to do, uh, and then you're going to get down on your knees. We're going to do a facial finish, blah, 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 blah. Like you block out all the positions that you're going to go through when you're in that spot. Yeah, sure. You kind of just go with it and good performers will know how to use that position to the best of their abilities, basically to look as hot as possible while doing what they're doing and opening up to the camera. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of newbies who don't realize, oh, I can't put my hand like that when I'm stroking him off because it blocks his dick from the camera view. You know what I mean? So you have to be aware of things like that, but you can't, you can't really just freestyle it on a major set because the camera needs to know where to be. The lighting needs to be right. You have to kind of follow the flow. Make sure that you fill enough time that this scene is however long the director needs it to be for the DVD or whatever they're using it for. It's a commercial product and it needs to come out a certain way. So yeah, there's definitely guidance before the filming even starts. How hard is it to enjoy a scene when you constantly have to worry about angles and like where you're supposed to be and stuff like that? Like, is can you actually enjoy filming? Like, can you actually enjoy the sex that's happening on on camera? It's work, dude. Um, okay. I'll say this the nicest way I can. The best sex I've ever had on scene is like kind of passably okay, I guess, pleasure wise for real life because you are you're working it's a modeling job you're in a position that's unnatural you're sucking in you're stretching your shoulders back you're trying to keep your hair out of your face you're mm, you know probably fucking on something that's really uncomfortable uh surfaces i've been put on include metal bench chain link fence gravel wow. driveway i mean like <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, I've worked with some really great performers who made it enjoyable as well, or as enjoyable as it was going to be. But because of these elements of it being such a strenuous activity, yes, there were orgasms involved, but it does not come anywhere near close to private time sex, real life sex. Because you're, it's performative. It's performative. Now, speaking of real life sex, I understand you do have a significant other and you guys have an interesting story that happened recently. Um, is that something we can talk about here? Yeah, we can totally talk about it. Um, All right. All right. Let's let's do it. So um, is so he's in the business. You guys have done a couple of scenes together, correct? That is correct. Yes. My partner's name is uh, Alex Saint is his stage name. And he has been working in porn in front of and behind the camera for 17 years. We initially met because he had reviewed my porn site for an industry blog. And he did a really, like, really favorable review of the site and the content. We didn't start out romantic, though. It took us a couple years of being friends. And uh, now we've been together, I think, three years now. Yeah, three years. Okay. So, so that's sweet. He's from the UK. And what happened to us recently, which you were uh, beginning to talk to people about, was we were fixing to get married. We had our wedding set for June. 
and I was really looking forward to that, obviously. Um, we had spent our whole budget on travel for our guests. We decided I didn't want a fancy dress. We were going to have a, a nice dinner, but not like a crazy catered banquet or anything. We really put the whole budget into flying people out to um, a destination in Massachusetts, in Boston, where uh, I'm from originally. And what happened was we did the honeymoon before the wedding. So Alex and I were coming back from Iceland, which was amazing. And we were going to do the wedding and then head home after that. Uh, the U.S. denied him entry into the country. They didn't deport him, which is different from a legal standpoint. They just didn't let him in. Um, they interrogated us for about eight hours separately. They were really, really focused on asking us questions about human trafficking, how much cash we had on us, um, the nature of our work, um, all kinds of stuff along those lines. And although it was never stated directly, I'm fairly certain it's because they recognized who we were as industry people. Um, because that's immediately where they went to in terms of questioning. We had been on our honeymoon. This was not a work trip or anything like that. <laughs> and we what were the questions they ask. Yeah. And we, our paperwork was straight. Um, we had a lawyer and everything like we were doing everything by the books, but they just, they can just deny entry to anyone they want within uh, BCP's scope of powers. So they sent him back on the next flight to the UK via Iceland, which means he was traveling for over 24 hours after we had come back from Iceland. And uh, yeah, he was charged with nothing. Neither was I. No charges, no deportation. They just sent him back. So... My God. Yeah, after inter interrogating us for hours, um, they allowed us to say goodbye to each other for about three minutes while supervised by four, either three or four agents at the time. Um, they allowed me to give him his medications, which were in my bag, and that was it. And uh, then they sent him back and... That was really fucked up because our wedding was a couple days after that or was supposed to be a couple days after that. Um, How so, fucking weird is that? Like, yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, is, like, we're all human beings, right? And the fact of the matter is, like, you can't just, like, say, I'm going to live here and just go. You have to follow all these fucking rules. And we it did. Just, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you have to do that? You know, like, why can't you just go live somewhere without having to deal with all this red tape? Regardless on people's personal stance on borders, we had done everything above board. Um, this was just one agent at the gate who decided they knew who we were and thought it would be a good idea to interrogate us for eight hours about human trafficking and the nature of our income. Um, by the way, I do pay my taxes quite a lot of them and everything I do is financially above board with the U.S. government. So... Yeah, that's, it's, okay. I am not the only, we're not the only people who've had issues like this before. I know a Canadian performer who is denied entry or has a delayed entry 
every single time she comes to a U.S. porn convention. I know other performers who've been delayed or detained at the U.S. border because they are recognized or because they're coming specifically to something like AVN. Um, but in our case, what I did was I came back to Florida and I packed up everything. And uh, we just, within the space of a couple of weeks, sold, threw away, or packed up in a couple of small suitcases everything we owned. And we moved to Amsterdam. Yeah, well, yeah. what brought you to Amsterdam? Like, why Amsterdam of all places? There's a beautiful piece of law called the Dutch-American Friendship Treaty that allows American entrepreneurs to settle in the Netherlands if they bring their business with them. Well, guess who's self-employed and has a thriving business? <laughs> and plans on remaining self-employed for the next several years, which is another requirement as well. <sighs> well, how how much longer do you think you're you're going to be in the adult industry? Because one thing that, you know, like I'm just a naive dumbass who watches porn. And my whole thing with porn is like you have to keep yourself in tip top shape. You have to, uh, you know, just kind of like look the same way as your, your as your audience remembers you. And I've seen a couple of, you know, adult entertainers that I've been a fan of over the years. You know, like I've, I'm 37 years old. I've been watching them since I was a teenager. And as the years go by, like, you know, some of them, you know, kind of go downhill a little bit. Like, do you have like a set time and date in mind where you're just going to be done with everything? Like, do you have like an end game in effect? Or I guess that's, you know, the best way to ask you. Like, do you have like a, a time where you're done? Like, you're just going to check out. When people stop paying me what I'm worth. Essentially, when people when pe people stop wanting to see my porn. I mean, we're nowhere near that point yet, thank God, because I love my job. But essentially, my audience is going to tell me when I'm done. If they don't want my stuff anymore, then I guess that's when I hang up my heels. You know, in the meantime, I'm being savvy. I invest. I've managed in the last couple of years to pay off any debts that I have, my you know student debts, which were modest. Um, I only had a couple of student loans, um, you know, my car and things like that, which I don't even have anymore. I don't have my car. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I sold that, but you know what I mean? Like I, I've done the right things financially to transition to another life when porn ends, but I also don't think it's going to happen in the next couple of years. I mean, strike me if I'm wrong, but I think I've got at least another oh, you got for sure. No, yeah, you're yeah, you're you are very young, and um, yeah, you got plenty of time ahead of you. Now, uh, one thing I did want to ask, because like you are seriously like one of my favorite performers, and there's like a million questions running through my head, and uh, and I know I have a limited amount of time with you, so I'm just trying to like you know just get as much in as I can here. Who is your favorite person to cosplay? Uh, let's see, out of the current roster, um. Power Girl's way up there because the costume's just so much fun. I love the I love the accessories and the cape. The whole design of the costume is phenomenal. I really enjoy wearing it. Um, my favorite person to cosplay. I mean, there's a few characters I would love to cosplay that I haven't had a chance to yet. I don't know if there's a market for it, but I really want to cosplay and pornify Alita Battle Angel. 
Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be so cool. I <laughs> love that movie so hard. I fangirl ridiculously hard for that film. Um, you and, and Jill Valentine from Resident Evil. I don't know if you're a gamer or not, but Jill Valentine. I think you got the look. You know, like you could do the whole Bob thing, like short hair. I, I think that'd be a good one for you. That would be a good one too. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. I've wanted to do the major Makoto Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell. I really want to do, oh God, the, the one cosplay I've sworn that I have to do before I get too old is um, Eon Flux. Not the live action version, but the cartoon version. And to do it with really extreme fetish wear, like a pipe stem corset tight laced and badass actual leather and like have something in it's budget budget is the thing that keeps this thing from materializing <laughs> but i fantasize about it you know like a custom made entirely gorgeous as screen accurate as it can be aside from the midsection which would be an intense steel bone corset to get that insane you know how she was drawn with like yeah. A very mannerist, extreme wasp waist. Yes. Yeah. And then get the hairdo with like the two curling pieces in the front. I think that would be really cool. Um, so, you, well, you and your spouse are, are, are both in the adult entertainment. So, when you work with someone else, right, other than him, like, is there any sense of like jealousy or are you guys just okay? with you know the profession that you're in <laughs> something i've always wanted to understand you know like about people that are you know together in the industry zero jealousy i mean we're polyamorous as well and we kind of do the swinger thing and whatnot i mean neither one of us are jealous people to begin with but we've both been in the industry so long we wouldn't have lasted as performers and as people if that was going to become a an issue socially between us and our partners. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, you can either handle it or you can't. I think some people can warm up to it over time, but th there's a pretty stark division in people between those who can handle non-monogamy and those who can't. Um, yeah. I think porn's a really bad job to get into if you're going to be super jealous. Definitely don't date a porn star if you have any jealousy inside you at all. I mean, you're just fucking with their career at the same time. You know what I mean? No, it's not a problem for us. Work is work, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that like they have that fantasy, like, hey, I want to date a porn star. I want to marry a porn star. But like, I don't think a lot of people can actually handle that lifestyle. Just, you know, see like your, you know, like your significant other getting pounded on screen or whatever. You know, I don't think a lot of people can handle that. It takes a really mentally strong person. So you guys are definitely yeah. one of those strong people. Dude, it's it's not just strength, it's certain character traits. But yeah, no, I spent the years before Alex, unfortunately, with a bunch of well-meaning partners, one after another, who thought dating a porn star and being with a porn star was going to be really cool for one reason or, not, or another. Some of them sort of fetishized the idea of being with a, a highly in-demand woman. And what I found was a lot of them didn't like the reality of it. It wasn't a 24-7 trim parade for them with me bringing over my beautiful friends or 
they actually couldn't psychologically handle the thought of me working with other dudes. But chicks were totally fine. Of course. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go out of my way to make a partner sad, but I've actually had one in particular who thought he could handle it and put up with it as best he could, but it ended up just breaking his heart over time. And it was sad because I cared about him and he cared about me. But yeah, no, For here's the thing. You don't want to date industry people unless you're industry. I wish I'd dated into the industry before. It just made it so much easier. It's wonderful to be with someone who understands and doesn't make a big deal out of it because it doesn't need to be. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You you have to get like-minded people when you're in an industry such as yours. I mean, like you really just can't date an outsider because they don't get it. They don't understand what the hell's going on. Um, let, let me ask you this, though, okay? Because you have, you know, LarkinLove.com. That's your website. You are in control of your own destiny. I mean, is this something that you always envisioned yourself being like the head of your, you know, your, your own empire, basically? Or is this something that just kind of fell on your lap or is this your master plan all along, you know, to get into the industry and it's kind of take over because you're doing really well for yourself. You got a lot of shit going on. When I initially stepped into adult video, um, <laughs> I had a terrible time finding work. I, I didn't envision myself initially as an independent performer slash producer, I thought I would do the thing where you get an agent and you shoot and you find work and you make your money and you continue doing that. Um, what I found was uh, nobody, not nobody, almost nobody wanted to shoot me. I was told at the time that I was completely unmarketable by most major companies. I did about 40 go sees in my first few weeks and was told um, by every single one of them that I was quote unquote, completely unmarketable. So I picked up a few nude modeling gigs and fetish modeling gigs that didn't pay terrifically well. And in a fit of frustration, I ended up getting a, a video camera. Um, a boyfriend bought it for me. Actually, I begged him for it. So got a little handy cam and started filming my own stuff because I felt like these people who were telling me I couldn't do it were very wrong. And I had just found out about Clips for Sale, which was the first clip site that I had. Now I'm on quite a few. I'm on many vids and I want clips, et cetera, et cetera. But I started putting out my own material and it did really well. And I kept refining and building on the process and figuring out what I liked to shoot, what my fans wanted to see me shoot. And got I got into editing and you know built built this all up piece by piece and it all started with a little handy cam in like the bedroom I was renting in LA. So shit, who the fuck told you you were unmarketable? Seriously, pick a major company. I mean, Jesus Christ, throw, throw a rock. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking moron that guy is! Holy shit. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, like, you do a lot of solo videos, custom videos for fans, and um, I keep going back to it, but this is something I really wanted to ask you because, like, to me, like, if I was the one doing it, and I'm a disgusting human being, like, I'm an ugly male, I don't look anything like you, obviously, is it awkward to do a solo video where you're just kind of, like, you know, talking to the camera? How weird is that, where you're just kind of talking to the camera? Is that tough for you, or is it easier working with someone else? I prefer it. 
I love talking to the camera. I find that my ability to make a, a world and a storyline come alive really flourishes when it's just me by myself. I don't use scripts in any of my videos, any of my solo videos at all. Everything is 100% extemporaneous. What I usually do is I sit down with a concept and a couple of keywords floating in my head, pick a erotic element or two or three that I want to include in it. And then I just sit down and I become somebody else for a few minutes. Now, just oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it just, it just flows. I have zero problem with it. I've had this weird talent for extemporaneous acting in this particular subgenre. <laughs> now, you were a librarian at one point. I was. I'm, I may yet be again someday. Uh, that may be a thing I return to in my later years. I really loved it. I mean, how many people automatically signed up for library cards when they saw you that you were the librarian? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like when I think of librarians, I think like some old ass, like 90 year old woman telling people to shut up, you know, and then like you walk into a librarian there and there's Larkin Love standing there. I mean, holy shit. You know, it's like, what the fuck? You know, like the librarians don't look like you. So, uh, so like you really think you're going to go back to being a librarian after all this? It was my favorite job I've ever had outside of porn, uh, outside of running my own porn business, shall I say specifically, because working for other people, eh, it's all right, but I really like being independent. But yeah, uh, the library was my happy place. I enjoyed the, the piece of it and the sort of methodical nature of the cataloging systems. I love books. I read all the time. I love the function that libraries have in society. It's one of the few places in the world where you can sit and be allowed to stay there all day and you don't have to buy a fucking thing. I think libraries are kind of punk in today's capitalist society. They're one of the few places you can educate yourself for free. They're amazing. Yeah, you're right about that. But it, it kind of feels like they're a lost art because the internet, I mean, you can download anything you want for free. And and I feel like it's making us lazy because people don't have to get off their ass anymore. I mean, you could download a movie. You could watch a movie that's in theaters from, you know, your bed. You, you can read a book that just came out from your bed. People just don't want to get up anymore. And the thing about porn, too, is like people don't buy it anymore. So how do you find you know, um, you know, porn, just like in your situation, I mean, like you're in complete control and, and you're one of the smarter, you know, adult entertainers because you're making your own money, doing your own thing. But what do you think about the people that are just kind of just working for a company? How are they making money? Because porn is free, essentially. You can go on any website and any number of websites and just download whatever you want. Um, I mean, crappy porn or bulk porn is free, but if you have a very specific taste, you know, I think I look at free porn as like dumpster diving. There's a lot of stuff in there. You're going to have to sift through it and you're, you're probably going to find something of value to you, but it's not like going to the store and buying what you wanted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that makes perfect sense you can dig around and possibly find something that you want, or you can go out and pick something or even better yet, have something made for you bespoke. 
it's about the quality of the experience and you know how much you value your time you feel me oh of course yeah i mean like you got to pay for quality content you pay for what you get if you're going to get free porn you're going to get like a six minute clip you're not going to get the money shot you're not going to get the scenes you want you know you better uh get your rocks off quick because that scene is you know essentially like you know unfinished i used to go to a site called xvideos.com you know a while back and and uh, before I started paying, because I I actually do have your um your um uh your 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 Snapchat, I actually subscribe to that, so I get you know your clips regularly, and 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 you can definitely see a parallel between shitty content and good content, and you definitely put out some very good content on there, and I appreciate you for that. I think it's awesome. Um, Thank you. But it's it's not just quality; it's it's about getting exactly what you want. You know, it's. Here's the thing. I like to think that most fans, given the chance, want to support their favorite creators. I, I really believe they do. I think there's societal conditions that make it make people think that buying porn is weird. There's almost like a, a societal trend to think buying porn is is bad, but like paying for a Snapchat is okay. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. Well, the thing is, like, if you don't pay for someone that you appreciate, they're going to go away. So, I mean, in my opinion, if you give someone that you like, you know, like someone that you enjoy their content, you give them money, they're going to keep putting out content. So why not support them? That's why I'm still here making content. If people had not paid for my porn and supported me and my work in those early days and every every day forward from there, I wouldn't be here having this conversation right now from my 4k rendering rig you know what i mean like <laughs> oh yeah so you have this uh you know this larkoween all 31 days you're 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 giving away a lot of shit you know you're being very generous to your fans you got the 90 percent off snapshot sales so i do implore everyone snapwithlarkin.com go out there and check it out and please please check this uh the snapchat out because she puts out some very good content one thing i do want to ask you though mm-hmm. um so this grand prize, this two-hour session that you have for for the tickets that you're raffling off here, what's going to happen in those two hours? Like, what is like, what can people expect? You guys going to go oh, out to dinner, well, talk, hang out? That, that is very much up to whoever wins. I mean, really, it's very much up to whoever wins, and you know, within the limits of what I'm willing to perform in that amount of time. But if people are curious about the infamous fan raffle, I recommend they check out the FAQ, which will be posted when the raffle goes live on October 15th at LarkinLoveRaffle.com. That's where you'll find all the info. And make it FAQ just so it's easy for you guys. Okay, Larkin. Um, you know we've you know we've uh, hit about an hour here in the podcast. I've loved having you on here. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, is there anything you want to throw out there? Uh, plug, promote, anything like that? Uh, just uh, you know, tell people where to find you. I have so many different options. If you want to interact with me one on one, if you want to text with me, if you want to Snapchat with me, if you want to watch my clips stream my videos, download my materials and my photo sets. There's so many options that the one place I recommend you go to sort of use as a nexus is my Twitter page. And that is at 
Larkin Love XXX, L-A-R-K-I-N-L-O-V-E-X-X-X. You'll find some very helpful links in the bio there. You'll see all my recent promotions, usually in a pinned tweet. You'll see me talking about all the cool stuff I have on offer, live cam shows, schedules, how to get a hold of me directly. I mean, just just everything goes through there. Or if you're not a Twitter person, I also recommend my subreddit, which is awesome because I'm not limited to 280 characters. And my subreddit is r slash larkinlovexxx. All right, so you are in control of all of this stuff. So you are the one that posts, so fans know that they're actually talking to the real Larkin Love. That is correct. Excellent. Larkin, thank you for coming on the show. You are a phenomenal entertainer, and I was extremely nervous talking to you because, like I said, like I only talk to people that I really enjoy. Um, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I appreciate you giving me a chance and coming on the Voices of Misery podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Larkin. Ladies and gentlemen, Larkin love. You take care, Larkin. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Hey, everyone. This is Stevie Richards. When I'm not doing Stevie Richards Fitness, well, actually, when I am doing Stevie Richards Fitness resistance band training programs, I like to listen to my friends on the Voices of Misery podcast. They talk about literally everything and anything, some stuff that might offend you. So if you're not easily offended, don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe, subscribe. Anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere. You can download and listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, check them out at voices of misery.podbean.com.